I'll never forget one of my first trips overseas. I was traveling with a uh, mission, uh, short-term mission group. We were heading to Southeast Asia, and we flew from Memphis to Houston, from Houston to L.A., and in Los Angeles, we had to leave the domestic terminal, and we had to go into the international terminal to cross the Pacific Ocean into Tokyo. And I'll, I'll never forget that experience of walking into the international terminal. It was like walking into a different world. There were people there with all sorts of different colored uh, outfits on, people with all different skin colors, preaching, and, or not preaching, but uh, talking in all sorts of different languages, and it was just like a, a shock to my senses to be surrounded by the diversity of cultures that represent people from all around the world. It was, a, it was really a, an eye-opening experience for me as I, as I came face-to-face -face with, with all the peoples, all the peoples of uh, the world, and was reminded of the great diversity of cultures. Well, this morning, from God's Word, I want to talk to you about the phrase, all the peoples, that comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And I want to unpack that phrase and talk about what that phrase means for you and what it means for me. This Christmas season, we're focusing on one verse. We've spent three sermons on one verse. Two weeks ago, we talked about good news from Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Last week, we talked about great joy. The good news gives great joy. And this morning, we're going to to look at that phrase, all the people. What's entailed in that phrase, all the people? So turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to focus specifically on verse 10. I hope that Luke 2 verse 10 will take on a new, fresh significance for you when you read it. I want to ask you this morning, if you're physically able, to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Now remember my pastoral encouragement when I'm asking all of our families to do on Christmas morning. Before you tear into presents, I'm going to ask that you uh, read Luke chapter 2, all right? Uh, and just read that Christmas narrative and that familiar story, just as a, a signal to your heart, a signal to your children's heart or your grandchildren's hearts, what Christmas really is all about, to kind of get everybody focused on Jesus. So you do that, and young people, if your parents forget, you remind them, all right? Okay. You have to tell them, Pastor Wade said, all right? Luke. Chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, notice the shift in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said, verse 10, Do not be afraid, 
For behold, I bring you, here it is, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, for your presence in our midst. And Lord, I just ask you to move with power among us. I pray that, Holy Spirit of God, you would take the word of God and grip our hearts with it, that we might exalt you, that we might set our minds, attention, and hearts affection upon you, that we might be changed for your glory. Lord, just have your way in our midst. Make this an unforgettable time of worship as we come face to face with a holy God who has a message of good news to proclaim. Lord, do your, do your work in us today. We'll thank you and praise you for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Luke chapter 2, of course, is a very well-known passage of Scripture. I mean, even Linus knows this passage of Scripture. If you watch Charlie Brown Christmas, he, he quotes it there as they're preparing for a Christmas pageant. And it's a, a very familiar passage of Scripture that tells us that Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary, uh, God coming to earth, and God uh, incarnate was laid in a manger because there was no room for him, uh, for them in the end. It's just a, a striking story, a wonderful, precious story. And, and as the scene shifts in verse 8, we see that, that an angel of the Lord appears to some shepherds watching their flock by night, and the glory of the Lord illuminates the sky, and as they are encountered by this divine visitation, they are they are terribly frightened, the Bible says. Literally, they were afraid with great fear. That's what that, that phrase means. Afraid with great fear, mega fear. And the angel says, listen, behold, do not fear. This isn't about fear. This is about good news. There's some good news we have to share with you. And so we've talked about the good news and how it produces great joy. But I want to talk this morning for a few moments about who the good news is for. The angel says it's for all the people. I just want to meditate on that phrase for a few moments and unpack that phrase for all of us today. And so, the good news of great joy for all the peoples includes, first of all, people from every station in life. People from every station in life. So wait, what do you mean by every station in life? I mean, first of all, those who are outcasts. Those who are looked down upon in society, that no one else cares about or is concerned with. Look what it says in verse 8. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. Then look in verse 20. This passage is framed by a mention of shepherds. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. They went and saw Jesus uh, in, in the manger, and they, they rejoiced after seeing Jesus. And so... Shepherds frame this section. They're kind of the, the central uh, focus in this section, their encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, who were the shepherds? What was it like to be a shepherd in first century Palestine? I mean, what was that like? Well, shepherds were poor. They uh, did not make much money at their job, and they were, uh, for the most part, very poor. This was uh, not a desirable job. This was kind of a a last-ditch effort to be employed. They were, they were poor. They were looked upon with suspicion. Uh, many in that day and time, we know from rabbinic literature, saw the shepherds as thieves. 
And when you saw a shepherd come walking by, maybe guiding his flock, and he came by your property, you would, you would watch your stuff because shepherds had a reputation as, as thieves. And they were excluded by the religious. Because they were out in the fields for so many days with their, with their flocks, they could not participate in the religious ritual, the ceremonial law, the sacrificial law. And so they were seen by the religious leaders as unclean. You might say like this, they were not welcome at church. They weren't welcome at the temple to come and worship because they were seen as unclean. And they were away for so long they couldn't do anything uh, through ceremony or sacrifice to make themselves clean. And so they were, they were excluded by the religious establishment of the day. The New Testament scholars Hendrickson and Kistemacher write this, the very first proclamation of the fact that the Messiah had actually been born was made to poor and downtrodden shepherds. They were indeed, they write, a despised class. Not only was it difficult for them, because of the very nature of their occupation, to observe all the regulations of the Mosaic law, and especially all the man-made rules super, superimposed upon that law, but in addition, they were suspected of being thieves. For this reason, for these reasons, they were looked down upon, were excluded from the company of those who were allowed to give testimony in the courts. They were so mistrusted, they were not even allowed to testify in court. Their, their testimony would not hold up in a court of law. Warren Wearsby writes, Shepherds were really outcasts in Israel. Their work not only made them ceremonially unclean, but it kept them away from the temple for weeks at a time so that they could not be made clean. And so the shepherds are poor. They're not trusted. They're despised. They're outcast. They're not even welcome at church. And guess who the angel comes to first to declare the birth of Messiah? He comes to shepherds. Now I think it's highly significant that these shepherds were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law, and yet they were made witnesses to testify first of King Jesus. Why did God do that? I mean, God could have come first to nobility. He could have sent angels to the, the palaces uh, in that area. He could have gone to the religious elite, maybe the high priest, and, and, and told him of the birth of Messiah and let him be the first witness, the first testifier. But he comes first to despise shepherds. Why? I believe it's to communicate that Jesus comes for everyone, even outcasts. Even those that everyone else looks down upon, Jesus comes for them. And so, when we say people from every station of life, we include in that those who are outcasts. Secondly, we include in that those from every socioeconomic level. Those from every, every socioeconomic level. We know that Jesus came for those who were impoverished because the shepherds were the first witnesses of the Messiah and they were impoverished. But not only the shepherds. Look what it says uh, in verse 21 of chapter 2. After Jesus Christ is born, it says, Eight days passed before his circumcision. His name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for the purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. You come and, and dedicate him to the Lord. And, verse 24, 
to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord. Everybody look at me for a moment. The law over in uh, Leviticus 5, over in Leviticus 12, gives two options for someone that wants to offer a sacrifice when they bring their firstborn to the temple. One was a lamb. But there's another provision that families could bring. If they could not afford a lamb, they brought turtle doves, a cheaper animal to purchase and bring uh, as a gift offering to the Lord. So what do Mary and Joseph bring with them to this ceremony? Look what it says in verse 24. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Mary and Joseph don't bring a lamb. They bring turtle doves because they were not wealthy. They were not rich. They were common folks, lower on the socioeconomic scale. And so they come with turtle doves. This reminds us that because Jesus was, was given as a gift to Mary and Joseph and Jesus was offered as a gift to the shepherds, that Jesus comes for those who, who are lower on the socioeconomic scale, those who are impoverished, those who are poor, those struggling to even make ends meet, those who can't even find the ends. Jesus came for them. But guess what? Not only did Jesus come for the poor and the struggling, he came for those who were wealthy and had means. If you go over to Matthew chapter 1, you see this, this fascinating story of these magi traveling from the east. And we know that they were men of some influence because they were able to gain a, a hearing before King Herod. I mean, you didn't just walk up to a king's palace and say, I want to see the king. I mean, you had to have some influence to do that. So they had some influence for Herod to even see them. And then when they follow the star to where Jesus was, they come bearing gifts. Not just any gifts. Gold. Frankincense. Myrrh. I'm going to talk about those gifts tomorrow night in our Christmas Eve service. But gold and, and frankincense and, and myrrh. These, these were gifts that you had to be wealthy to acquire. Not just anyone could acquire gold and frankincense and these different things. And so these, these magi from the east were wealthy uh, noblemen, they had some influence, they had some means, and yet we see them bowing before King Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is for them too. Jesus is for the wealthy too. And so we see that, that, that people from every station in life includes the outcasts, the despised, it includes those all along the socioeconomic scale. But third, it includes men and women. You say, well, wait, that goes without saying. Well, not if you live in the first century. First century, women were seen as second-class citizens. Listen, not only were shepherds excluded from, from offering a testimony in court, women were excluded from offering a testimony in court. They were, they were not trusted. They were looked down upon. But look what happens in this narrative. Look in chapter 2, verse 25. There was a man, a man, named Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, he took him into his arms and blessed God. So this man had been looking for the Messiah. He was, he was told by the, the Spirit of God he would see the Messiah. And he sees King Jesus, knows that he's the Messiah. He takes the Messiah, the baby Jesus, in his arms. He receives Jesus. He 
he knows that Jesus was for him, and he's a man. Now, this is a big deal. If you're a man, to know that Jesus is for you. There are a lot of, there are a lot of men in our culture today that say, well, okay, Jesus is fine for my kids, and Jesus is fine for my wife. I don't really need Jesus. Guess what? You need Jesus. And Jesus is for you. He's for men. But not only is he for men, he's for women. Look what happens in verse 36. Here in the temple. There was a prophetess. Notice the contrast. There's a man named Simeon, but now there's a prophetess named Anna. A woman. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. So we know that she probably lived for decades as a widow. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. And the very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna understands the Messiah is for her too. She's praising God as she sees the Messiah and worships God. She understands the Messiah is for her. The Messiah is for Simeon, a man. The Messiah is for Anna, a woman. He's for both, right? So wait, is that big of a deal? Do you really need to emphasize this? Well, if you look at some of the other world religions in our, in our, in our culture, women are, are put down. Women are, are oppressed. Women are not seen as having the same importance as men. And so to say that Jesus is for men and women, both, and that he loves men and women, and men and women can worship him and follow him and be changed by him is highly significant. The, the, the heroines of this Christmas story are Mary and Elizabeth. And, and, and all throughout the ministry of Jesus, we see women ministering and following him bravely, courageously. The first witness of the resurrection, even though her testimony was not, was not able to be held up in court, the first witness was Mary Magdalene. Women. So we see that when we talk about every station of life, we mean people of both gender. Here's what I want to say to sum up this idea that the gospel is for people from every station of life. The gospel is for the prominent and the downtrodden. The gospel is for the prominent and the downtrodden. Turn to Luke chapter 4, you're close. Turn to Luke chapter 4, I want to show you what happens when Jesus grows up. And he embarks upon his public ministry. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. He had entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and it says the book of the prophet Isaiah, written hundreds of years before Jesus walked on the earth, was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to who? To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Watch this. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now look in verse 21. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You know what he's saying there? By the way, this infuriated folks. He said that, that passage of scripture that prophetically spoke of a Messiah coming and preaching good news to the poor, the downtrodden, the oppressed, is being fulfilled in your sight today because I'm him. And he's signaling here, I've come to 
to, to preach good news to everybody, whether they're high up on the, 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 the scale of influence or low on the scale of influence, whether they are wealthy and prominent or, or oppressed and poor, I've come with some good news. The gospel is for people from every station of life. I read a story about some anonymous donors that have tried to bless people this Christmas season. There have been some folks that have gone into 71 Kmarts in our nation and paid off layaway balances totaling $85,000. Isn't that neat? You get a phone call from Kmart, hey, that stuff you had in layaway, it's paid for, come pick it up. Not only that, two dozen people at a Walmart in Massachusetts had their layaway balances paid off by an anonymous donor. These people include a lady named Samantha. She had a balance of $125. A single mom, she was a nursing assistant working at an assistant living facility, and the $125 paid off toys for her two-year-old son. Isn't that neat? There's another lady named Mandy. She had a balance of $100. She was a stay-at-home mom, and her husband is an electrician, but money had been tight for the family as of late. And the $100 gift paid off a train set and other toys for her nieces and nephews. So when she goes to Christmas with her family, she doesn't have to go empty-handed now. There's another lady named Teresa. Her balance of $200 was paid off in layaway, and this amount paid for a Barbie and Dora toy for her four-year-old and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and Beyblade toys for her seven-year-old son. Teresa is a hairstylist. Her husband is in construction, and it's been hard for him to find work as of late. So this was a great blessing to her to have something under the tree for her kids on Christmas morning. Now, we see... Very different people. A hairstylist, a nursing assistant, a stay-at-home mom, but they're all bound together by one thing. They all had a need. You see, we are very different, aren't we? People are very different. We come from all different backgrounds, all different levels of, 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 of culture and life and society different things going on in our lives. We're all very, very different. But guess what? We're all bound together by having the same need. We all need a Savior. And Jesus Christ came to save people, regardless of their, their place in society, regardless of their socioeconomic status, regardless of their gender. Jesus Christ came to offer salvation. He came to die for people from every station in life. Aren't you glad? There's a second truth here I want you to see as we think about all the people. Not only does this include people from every station in life, it includes people from every type of ethnic background. People from every type of ethnic background. First of all, this of course refers to the Jews. Back in Luke chapter 2, we see the shepherds. And in verse 11, we talked about this a little bit last week, the angel says to the shepherds, for today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior. So he's signaling, hey, for you shepherds, these Jewish shepherds, there's a gift for you, a Savior for you. We're reminded by this that Jesus came for the Jews. He came to offer salvation to his chosen people. 
we see in the Old Testament that God chose the Jews as a special nation through whom he would send his Messiah. And I can't find any indication in Scripture that they are no longer his chosen people. Matter of fact, Romans 11 indicates that God's going to do something significant among the Jewish people in the latter days. And so they're his chosen nation. And Jesus came as their Messiah. And if any Jew believes in Jesus Christ, they can be born again. They can be saved, right? God loves his chosen people. And the shepherds are told by the angel, this Savior, this gift is for you. He's come to offer you salvation. He's come to die for you. Jesus loves the Jews. There's chosen nation. We ought to love the Jews too. I've been reading in my uh, Bible reading time through the minor prophets. You know, you know a recurring theme I see? Every time a nation turns against the Jews, it turns out bad for that nation. May we never, ever turn against the people of Israel. Amen? We ought to love God's chosen people and offer them the gift of the Messiah, the one who fulfilled all those Old Testament prophecies they believed, and show them how Jesus is the one that fulfilled those wondrous prophecies. And so we talk about every ethnic background. Of course, we're talking about the Jews. The Lord loves the Jews, and we ought to as well. But secondly, when we think about people from every type of ethnic background, we're talking about Gentiles. Gentiles. Now, let me just give you a quick definition of a Gentile. A Gentile is a non-Jew. So if you're in this room today, you are in one of those two categories. You're either a Jew or a non-Jew. A Jew or a Gentile. Every one of you is, is encapsulated under one of those two categories. Now we see that Jesus is, from every type of ethnic background, including the Gentiles, in the immediate context. The immediate context. Look what it says back in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, that word people in the original Greek language is the word laos. As I studied some different commentaries, a large number of them said this refers to the Jews only, because the word laos is used earlier in Luke and in other places in Luke to refer to the Jews. So when the, the angel says, this good news of great joy is for all the people, the laos refers to the Jews. And I thought, that's not right. Just look at, the, look at the larger context of this passage, the immediate context of this passage. Look down with me uh, in verse 28. Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, and look what he says, quoting some Old Testament scripture here. He says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Watch this. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. Not only is this Messiah, this Savior for the shepherds who are Jews and other Jews, this Messiah, this Savior is for the Gentiles. He's a light of revelation to the Gentiles. So in the same chapter we see, the good news is not just for Jews, it's for Jews and Gentiles. So I believe Laos in verse, uh, verse 10 refers to Jews and Gentiles. We also see this in the greater context of Scripture. The word laos is used of Gentile peoples in other places in the Bible. Turn to Acts chapter 15 with me, very quickly. Acts chapter 15. Acts 15, verse 14. This is at the Jerusalem Council. 
Starting in verse 13, the Bible says, After they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God at first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. Now that word people is laos. Same word the angel uses. So he's relating here the Jerusalem Council that God has definitely had a plan to save a people from among the Gentiles. To save Gentile people. Turn over to Acts chapter 18. This is Paul in Corinth, a Gentile city. And in verse 9, that Lord said to Paul in the night by vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people, laos, in this city. In other words, the Lord saying, You preach the gospel because some Gentiles in Corinth, people, laos, are going to be saved. And so we see the... The larger context of Scripture speaks of God saving Jews and God saving Gentiles. This is found in the Old Testament over in Isaiah 49, verse 6. Listen to what God the Father says to God the Son. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. In other words, saying, Jesus is too small a thing for you just to go save Jews. That's wonderful, but that's not big enough. I'm sending you not only to save Jews, but to be a light of salvation for Gentiles to the very ends of the earth. So who are all the people? People from every ethnic background. Listen to what Revelation 5, 9, and 10 say. This is John seeing a a scene of heaven in a vision of what heaven's going to be like. And it says, they, the elders... These chief worshipers sang a new song saying, singing to Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, listen, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people. Guess what word that is? Laos. And people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. What's he saying here? When we get to heaven and we are around the throne of the Lamb, we will be surrounded by people from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every ethnicity, Jews and Gentiles. The gospel, the good news is for all the people. All the people. You see, the gospel has no racial boundaries. And neither should we. How ridiculous is it to put up racial boundaries when God has none? When the gospel has none? How dishonoring to God to have racial boundaries when the good news of great joy is for all the people? Now there are many places in Scripture that illustrate God's love for different ethnicities, but one of my favorites found in John chapter 4, the well-known story of the woman at the well. You see, the Jews, for the most part, hated the Samaritans. They saw them as Assyrian half-breeds. That was, that was their view of them. And if a Jew was traveling from Judea north to Galilee, the quickest way to get there as the crow flies was to walk right through Samaria. But the Jews... 
despised the Samaritans so much that instead of going straight through Samaria, they would go out of Judah, uh, Judea into Perea and walk around Samaria and then into Galilee. They would avoid even walking down the same roads that Samaritans walked down. So guess what happens in John chapter 4? Jesus says, I must go through Samaria. The religious leaders are avoiding to Samaritans like the plague. But I've come to offer salvation not just to Jews. I've come to offer salvation to Samaritans. And he goes through Samaria. And he, he encounters this woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. And, and she has all this sin in her life. But he offers her living water. If she drinks of it, if she, offers, if she receives the salvation of Christ, she'll never thirst again. She meets the Messiah and is transformed by him. And this story so clearly illustrates that Jesus came for people from every ethnic background. Those whom others hate because of their ethnicity, Jesus loves. And if Jesus loves everyone, regardless of their ethnicity, we ought to love everyone too. Amen? What a neat thought that as I was walking around in that international terminal, people with every, all different skin colors, colorful different types of clothing, different languages all around me, to know that Jesus came to offer every one of them in that terminal the gift of salvation, including the white boy walking in the middle of the terminal. Amen? He came for them all. He came for them all. He came for us all, people from every type of ethnic background. So let me give you some closing thoughts as we think about all the people, and then we're going to close down our time together today. First of all, Christmas is for everyone, and its full meaning can be experienced by anyone that embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior. Christmas is for everyone, and its full meaning can be experienced by anyone. Everybody say anyone. Anyone that embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, that, that phrase, full meaning, is very important. Very important. In other words, if someone embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior, they will experience Christmas in its fullness. See, a lot of people experience Christmas. You know, the songs and the, the food and the Christmas tree and the songs on the radio and the lights and the Christmas presents. A lot of people experience Christmas, but they don't experience Christmas in its full meaning. They're, they're celebrating Christmas, but really they don't get it. But can I tell you this? Once you bow your knee and your heart to King Jesus... Christmas for you will forever be changed. It'll be totally different for you. Because you see beyond the lights, you see beyond the songs, you see beyond the food, you see beyond the Christmas trees, and you see the reason for it all. You see the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who came to die for you. Christmas is for everyone. Its full meaning can be experienced by anyone that embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you don't know that you're saved, in just a few moments we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to, to the, the good news. And you can give your life to Jesus today. And I promise you, December 25th will be a totally different experience for you. But let me give you another thought. Regardless of who you are or what your background is, the good news is for you. Regardless of who you are or what your background is, the good news is for you. It's, it's very possible that I'm 
preaching to someone today that feels like an outcast for whatever reason. You feel like you're, you're not included. You feel like you're looked down upon. And it's very possible that because of the way you've been treated by others, maybe someone close to you has broken your trust and broken your heart. And it's very possible that because you've been let down by others, you feel like no one could love you, including God. But doesn't Luke chapter 2, verse 10 say something different? Good news of great joy for all the people, including you. You see, Jesus Christ was born under the shadow of the cross. And Jesus Christ grew up and lived a perfect life. And in God's perfect timing, He went to Calvary and he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And guess what the Bible says about that? It says in Romans 5, 8, that God proves his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, God could not love me. The cross says something different. The cross speaks over your life the love of God. He loves you. He's offering you salvation. He wants to change your life doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what your background is. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. So regardless of who you are, what your background is, this good news is for you. Turn over to Galatians 3.28. I want to show you this verse. We're going to close in just a second. But I love this passage. Beautiful passage. Galatians 3, verse 28. Paul here is unpacking the, the implications of the gospel. Look what he says. There is neither, watch this, Jew nor Greek, no racial distinctions. There is neither slave nor free man, no societal distinctions. There is neither male nor female, no gender distinctions. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know what that verse tells us? It tells us that the, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level ground. That, that the Lord Jesus came for everyone and anyone that embraces him as Lord and Savior can experience the salvation and be made one with the body of Christ. Doesn't matter what your station is in life. Doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. Doesn't matter what your gender is. Jesus loves you, right? Gospel is for everyone, regardless of who you are or what your background is. But let me give you one final statement, and we'll be through. If we have received the good news, we've embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior, we need to understand that our calling is to extend the good news to all people. If you've received the transforming work of Christ in your life, your role now becomes one of a herald. Your job is to, is to tell others about Jesus Christ. Over in Isaiah 40 and in Isaiah 52, repeated in Romans 10, the Bible says, How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. Because we're called to, to share that good news that Jesus is for everyone, 
Maybe the most important Christmas song we'll sing this season or hear is the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. That's our job now, right? As Christians, our job is to tell it on the mountain. So as we approach Christmas Day, make it all about Jesus. Tell people Merry Christmas when you see Him. Amen? Read the Christmas story with your family. Even family that may be there that may not be followers of Christ. Read the Christmas story. Tell them what Jesus means to you on Christmas morning. Share the good news. The hope, the life, the peace, the fulfillment, the joy that can only be found in Jesus. Go tell it on the mountain. So we see the angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. I'm so glad that the good news is for all the people because, listen to me, I'm one of those people. And so are you.